0: Welcome to Brew Styles for Tuesday, September 1st, 2015. Brought to you from Arlington, Texas. I'm Travis and I'm Chris. This week we will be talking about Style 24A, wit beer. Check out our website, brewstyles.com, where you can leave us feedback and requests for us to discuss your favorite beer styles. Send us an email to ask us some questions, and we will get them answered on the air. While on our site, you can also find a link to the BJCP website. There you can download your own copy of the BJCP Style Guidelines and get more information about how to become an official BJCP Certified Beer Judge. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com brewstyles, and follow us on Twitter at brew styles. Find our Google number on our website and give us a call. We'd love to hear your voice. Send us your questions and comments to help us bring you the information you need. All right, welcome back to another episode of Bruce Styles. I am joined today by Chris. How you doing, Chris? I'm good. How are you, Travis? Doing excellent. Awesome. Well, as excellent as can be, considering that summer is winding to a close.
1: Winding? I've been back at work for three weeks. Oh. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Well, I go back to work tomorrow. That sucks. But I suppose that's better than all the uh, all the <laughs> other regular people that have been working all summer.
1: Yes, that's true. They, that is one of the good things about being a teacher is you do get a little bit of time off in the summer. Yeah. But, you know for for some of us that our our school year extends into the summer and we come back early that time is dwindling. Mm. Yes. So
0: so it's winding to a close and uh and uh I did I I didn't do any brewing this week but I did keg two beers. Oh yeah. So that's kind of exciting. I kegged a saison that I uh, I used the Belgian the Belgian saison blend that that um I think it was based off of the Saison DuPont, and I've never used that particular strain before, and man, it was it was a pain. It was Why is a, that? It was a pain. Well, I pitched it, and it was great for a day, great fermentation, then all of a sudden, nothing. It stopped. Man.
1: Yeah, I've heard that uh, tends to stall out a little bit. Mm-hmm.
0: Took a gravity reading. It was 1035, so it was way too high. Still had a lot to do. You know, I kind of shook it up, put it out in the garage, let it sit in like 90 plus degrees. Nothing. And uh, so then I brought it back inside and repitched pitched with uh, US05. And then it's still like a week later, nothing's really happening. And then slowly but surely, there weren't any bubbles on top. It never developed a second Krausen, but I had, had some activity in the airlock that was pretty consistent. So I let it sit there, and basically about a month later, I'm kegging this from primary fermentation.
1: It'd be interesting to see uh, what kind of esters you get from a slight fermentation with the Saison yeast and then finishing out with something clean like mm-hmm. USO5. I wonder how, how much of a Saison character you're actually going to get out of it.
0: We'll see. I tasted it as I, as I kegged it yesterday, and I hate to say it, but it was actually kind of good. Hmm. I was hoping it would be terrible so I wouldn't be tempted to <laughs> mess with this yeast strain again, but I can't say Yeah, that.
1: I think I've only used the, uh, the French Saison yeast. I think it's why yeast something I have to uh, and that one seemed to work pretty well this last time that I did my Saison um, I repurposed some yeast that I got from Martin house their Saison oh, right. yeast and that turned out that that stuff was active <laughs> overly active it was fantastic I think I was done fermenting in like four days yeah. It was pretty nuts.
0: So what happens when you have a healthy pitch? Yes. It just like kicks off right away.
1: And that was the second time I used it, so it was it was thriving and it multiplied like crazy in the batch before. So it was I mean <laughs> it was pretty nuts. That nice. was a good beer too.
0: Yeah. That was. I hope uh, hope we get a chance to do that again. Oh yeah. So kegged that one and then uh, also did American Wheat. So we'll uh I'll probably taste them later tonight, and we'll see if it's carbonated and, and if it's good. And then uh, who knows what I brew from there.
1: Awesome. I've got a Kolsch fermenting right now, just a plain, nothing added to it, plain Jane Kolsch. So, uh, There's I'm, nothing wrong with that. Man. No, I'm, Sometimes I'm you want a beer like that. Yeah, I'm anxious to see how that turns out, because usually in my Kolschs, I'll add a little bit of something, you know, lemon or lime, or just to give it a little twang, but uh, after our Kolsch episode that we did, um, I really liked those beers, and so I wanted to brew something that was along those lines—just plain. You know, I think it's going to be a perfect beer to finish out the summer with. Mm-hmm. All the you know the hot days, absolutely. So, yeah,
0: yep. And we uh we again are missing our third Musketeer today. Yep. Uh, sorry you couldn't make it, but he is he is hopeful to return for the next episode, episode twelve, and we will certainly welcome him back. Absolutely. But uh, today, as our as our summer series is starting to wind to a close, we're going to finish up with, with um, a style that is certainly an easy-drinking one and one that you can uh, not hesitate to grab on a hot day, and you will not Absolutely. be disappointed. And that will it's, be...
1: It's pretty readily available, too. Yeah. Um, we, we've already done our Hefeweizen episode. Uh, this is along the same lines, but it's got a slight difference to it. This is the Belgian Wit. Um, the Wit. The Wit. Yeah, Belgian wit. And so there are a few slight differences. Um, For the most part, you want the same kind of, you know, weedy, citrusy kind of character. But um, the difference between the Hefeweizen and the wit is you can actually have some adjunct-type things that would be completely acceptable in the style. For instance, um, coriander, orange peel, some spices... Uh, paradise seeds i wish sawyer were here he oh, nuts over the paradise seeds paradise seeds um yeah it's, it's actually called grains of paradise
0: so this is one but, of those few styles that you can use grains of paradise yes
1: absolutely and sawyer's missing it but anyway um
0: i heard him laugh somewhere in the distance
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyway uh yeah things like chamomile uh cumin cinnamon oh anything like that in, in small amounts. You don't obviously you don't want it to be overpowering. Um like a taco beer with human yeah. <laughs> yeah. Throw a little pepper in your wit. Um
0: <laughs> I would be at my wits end if I did that.
1: Yeah, okay. So <laughs> the yeast um still want to be kinda in the front with this, uh, but they're gonna produce more of a, a spiciness. Um not so much The Hefeweizen was was more along the lines of uh, fruity. The Belgian wit's going to be a little on the spicier side. You still can have some fruit in there. Um,
0: Okay.
1: And it can even be slightly sour. Really? Uh, Yeah, if you can have um, very limited lactic fermentation. Some people might actually add just a little bit of lactic acid. You don't want it to be in the sour range, like a sour beer. Okay. Wild fermentation, but a little bit sourness is acceptable in the Belgian wit.
0: See, I did not know that.
1: So, that's... It's interesting. I've I've been really getting into sour beers lately. I'm actually going to try and brew my first sour uh, Mm -hmm. Berliner Weiss here pretty soon. So, I was um, very surprised to see that in the style guidelines for the wit beer.
0: Yeah, because a a sour wheat beer is a Berliner Weiss. Yeah. So, yeah, the Berliner Weiss... if you have a little touch of tartness, then it's still considered a wit beer. Yeah.
1: The Berliner Weiss is... Ideally, whenever you look at, you know, grists for that, it's like 50% Pilsner, 50% wheat, and that's it. And then it's got a pretty hefty uh, lactic acid fermentation thing going on. But um, the grist for this is usually about 50% unmalted wheat and 50% pale barley, Pils malt. So it's very similar to the German Berliner Weisse we just talked about, but Mm -hmm. more or less um, this one... With the yeast and everything, it's all about whatever kind of spices and and things you add to it. So as long as it's not over the top, it's still within style guidelines. Hmm. So the yeast is going to produce mild spicy flavors, um, and that's kind of what you want to shine through.
0: Yeah, I I can definitely say that anytime I grab a whipped beer, if I get orange peel or coriander, then I'm totally happy. I think those are the two of the most popular things that are usually tossed into a wit beer, but uh, if you got those out of a out of a vice beer a Hefe, it wouldn't be wouldn't be near the same because out of those you usually get banana and clove from the yeast, but uh, banana and clove are not mentioned anywhere with the uh, the wit beer description. Yes,
1: it's all about citrus and spice. Now mouthfeel, however, is going to be about the same: uh, medium light to medium body. Okay. Smoothness, light creaminess from unmelted wheat, uh things like that. Hmm. So, um something that the mouthfeel <laughs> section of this guideline does state is that despite body and creaminess, it does finish dry and often a bit tart. So that goes back to um the lactic, minimal lactic acid that we talked about a minute ago. Interesting. So
0: I don't think I've ever had a wit beer and thought Tart.
1: No. For me, it's always, like, you know, we mentioned earlier, it's always been orange peel, coriander, um, you know, things like that. So it should be interesting once we get into some of these. Uh, We do have a broad range (laughs) of commercial examples that we're going to go through Mm -hmm. today, some local, some not. So it'll be interesting.
0: I wonder if that was a recent change with the 2015 revision because I don't remember reading Tart Ever before, I mean, granted, I didn't, I didn't memorize the 2008 guidelines, but I've read through them enough times that I think I would have noticed that.
1: Yeah, I always thought that the <clears throat> hefeweizen and the Belgian <laughs> wit were very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the yeast strain is going to be different, and I thought that was really the only difference. Yeah. But now that we know that hefeweizen, you don't really add any extra ingredients to the beer, but with the Belgian kind of expected in small doses
0: you know that's something I've really enjoyed about this about our podcast experiment is it not only are we learning about every style but learning how the styles compare yeah uh, that's been that, that's been gold
1: it, you know the Hefeweizen episode was several weeks ago but um, I guess if we'd have done these two back-to-back that would have been an interesting experiment but hmm.
0: interesting yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about the history of the vice not the vice beer, the wit beer. I'm all confused now. <laughs> Would you believe if I said that the, the wit beer has solid Texas roots in its history?
1: Like from way back when?
0: From way back when. Interesting. Texas played a major role in the wit beer as we know it today.
1: But I'm sure Texas didn't exist as Texas when the Whitbeer was created. No, it did not.
0: <laughs> so the Whitbeer, from its basic roots, was, uh, is a Belgian beer style, and it's uh, over 400 years old, so it has a very rich history in, in that part of Europe. And uh, similar to the Saison's history, it also benefited from Belgium's farming roots and the monasteries. Uh, if you remember, we talked about in the Saison episode that uh, the farmers of the time were they were paid in beer, and, uh, so it was a big part of, of the common man and the working class and the, uh, the whip beer was also, uh, also right in there with them. So they had, uh, wheat and oats were prevalent in that region. So that's what they used in brewing beer. Uh, basically anyone that brewed beer used what they had around them because it was way too difficult to try to ship ingredients to different parts of the world. I mean, we're talking back in the days of horses and, and wagons and carts and stuff. So you... Basically, had or you brewed with what you grew in your in your backyard your farm. So, wheat and oats were the big the big thing in that region. That's what they used before hops. Brewers would use a mixture of herbs and spices for flavoring, and that is uh, still a big part of the style today. With um, coriander, or uh, Chris mentioned chamomile, so lots of different things that you can you can toss in there, and that's what they used for flavoring. So they've kept that uh, that traditional sense of it in the style today. In the 16th century, so before Texas, in case you were wondering, <laughs> brewers in the town of Hoogarden—that's H O E G A A R D E N. It's not Garden. not Hoogarden. Hoogarden. Yes, I was—I was a very young and in, inexperienced beer drinker, or whatever. I walked up to the bar at a local establishment and said, uh, "I like a Garden <laughs> and I was—I was quickly corrected. Hoogarden. It's pronounced Hoogarden. And I was like, oh. And he twisted his mustache and walked off. So <laughs> I bre- doubt that last part happened. Brewers <laughs> in the town of Hoogarden organized into a guild of brewers. And uh, that, was, that was something that was kind of new for the time that, um, that they would organize. And uh, towards the end of the 19th century, that small town of Hoogarden had over two dozen breweries, which was amazing. It's a very small town, but they had breweries everywhere, and many of those specialized in making a beer. And then uh, around the 1940s, there was some sort of invasion that happened uh, in Europe.
1: Some sort? Yeah. Not quite sure what?
0: Yeah. Do you know what that was?
1: Uh, something about World War II, I think.
0: Wrong. It was the lager. The lager invaded Europe. <laughs> really? Yes. The lager invaded Europe, and it became so popular that nobody wanted to drink a beer anymore. So it died out. The lager just, it, it became the drink of choice for Europeans. You everywhere.
1: know, we—that's seemed to be a uh, recurring theme here. People have their ales, and all of a sudden the lager shows up, and everybody's all, all about the lager. Mm-hmm. You know, that's weird. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. There's crazy I, I Germans. It's, it's so, so approachable, more so than an ale, or just the, I, the I don't smoothness, know. the crispness. But yeah, the, the lager came in and just, it, it took over. So people didn't drink any wit beers anymore, and uh, all these small breweries in Hoogarden started to die off, one after the other. And then towards the end of the 19th century, when at one point there were 31 breweries, there were now zero Every brewery in Hoogarden. They didn't,
1: they didn't switch to uh, lager and brewing.
0: I guess they, they didn't do it quick enough, and so they couldn't, couldn't, keep, uh, couldn't keep up.
1: They lost their wit. They lost their <laughs> wit.
0: So it was sad. However, a savior came along in the year 1966, and his name was Pierre Sellis. Yeah. He was a milkman that lived in Hoogarden. And uh, I guess he had a, a touch of nostalgia because he wanted to open up a brewery. So he did. He cobbled up some parts. There was, uh, as you can imagine, plenty of old brewing parts available in that town. So he was yeah. able to, you know, cobble some together and make his own brewery. And he started making the beer, and people were, they were like, wow, this is actually really good. How
1: did he know about the beer if they hadn't brewed it in a long time?
0: Well, they did have, they did have history and like stone tablets and <laughs> I mean, this is 1966. Come on. <laughs> so, like
1: I mean, we're only talking like from the 40s and the 60s that the whit beer kind of died out. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like nobody knew it existed.
0: Yeah, yeah. It just it it was uh, it wasn't fashionable. It wasn't the trend, and so people stopped making it. And then when all the big breweries that specialized in it died off, then it it just really dude, I don't know. It, it that was the nail on the coffin. But uh, Pierre Sellis started making uh, started making beer at the De Kluis brewery and he started making wheat beers again. It was a hit. And then uh, it started to spread across Europe even in a larger region than what it normally was known for. And then in the year 1992, Pierre brought his brewing talents to the small town of Austin, Texas. That's not a small town. The large town of Austin, <laughs> Texas. And he opened up a brewery. He named it the Cellus Brewery, and he started making his whip beer there, except he was using North American ingredients instead of what he was used to in uh, the Belgian regions. So he started doing that. He called it the Sels White, and, wow, it just it amazed the, uh, the North American brewers and beer drinkers Because they really hadn't had much exposure to that style before them.
1: Yeah, we talked about this last week, and everybody was drinking the American Light Lager at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, Miller Light was starting to become really popular, and everybody else kind of followed. So you're drinking, you know, what's even still popular today, the American Light Lager. Everybody's drinking that, and all of a sudden this Belgian wit pops up. So yeah, everybody's like, oh, this is different.
0: Yeah. And so then brewers started to emulate their style and making their own versions, and uh, that really solidified the uh, the position of the Belgian wit beer in the uh, in the beer drinking culture across the world today. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So, one of the more readily available Belgian wits is the Who Garden. Correct. Is that one that we have to taste today? We do. Wow.
0: That's right. <laughs> so, let's crack it open. Now,
1: actually, there's a couple of um I think we might have two of the classic examples on the BJCP list. Yes. We have the Who Garden and the Vitkirk, correct?
0: Yeah, we do have two from Europe and then two from America. Yep. One from the Dallas Fort Worth area, too. Yeah, it'd be
1: interesting to uh, see how mm-hmm. they compare.
0: Yeah, so let's start with the Who Garden.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back at you. <laughs>
0: And welcome back. We are here with our Who Garden example.
1: Who Garden? Who Garden. Ho Garden? Whose Garden? Who Garden.
0: Your garden. <laughs> or my garden. I don't have a garden. But yes, this is our classic example for the Belgian Vit beer. And we are excited to have it. It's direct from Who Garden, Belgium. It's very, very cloudy. Well, and the reason for that is it is an unfiltered yep. Belgian white. Yep.
1: Very cloudy Good white head on it um, This one should be around
0: 4.9%
1: Yeah, nice I do get a lot of yeast character in the aroma Not a whole lot of orange peel, coriander You know, any of the things we talked about earlier mm. I smell a lot of
0: yeast character I get some coriander Yeah, maybe so, a little bit Of course, coriander itself has a, a citrusy aroma to it anyway But it's more like on the herbal side You know Carbonation level is pretty high On this one Mm, nice sweet flavor. Yeah, it's not uh, not bitter. Maybe get, I get some grassy hops. Yeah, I
1: get maybe a, a hint of the tartness. I don't know, that, that could have been the goza that we drank during the break. But, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I did rinse <laughs> to make sure, but I do get a little bit of tartness. It's not, I mean, it's just barely there.
0: Maybe, but uh, I certainly get some, I get orange peel.
1: Yeah, yeah. Definitely some orange, some citrus. Um, no paradise seeds yet. Sorry, Sawyer.
0: No grains of paradise. <laughs> no.
1: But this is, it's very clean, very refreshing, mm-hmm. very light. It's fantastic. I like this one a lot.
0: Yeah, this is a, I think this is a solid way to wrap up the summer beer series yeah. with this style because it's its smooth, it's refreshing, uh, lightly fruity. Anybody could be drawn to this style. Mm-hmm. Same thing
1: with the Hefeweizen. You know, so easy to drink. Like, you know, my wife is, every time I hand her a beer, I was like, here, taste this. She's like, tastes like beer. But she likes the wits. She likes the, the Hefs. Even even for somebody that's not a big beer person, it doesn't, it doesn't taste like, quote-unquote, beer.
0: Definitely an approachable style, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, on the back of the bottle, it gives a four-step process for how to pour, and serve the Hoogarden beer. Oops. The first step... <laughs> I just opened it. The first step is one that both Chris and I are doing. It says, rinse... Oh, wait, we didn't do that. Rinse and freeze the Hoogarden hexagonal glass. Oh. And we are both enjoying the uh, the Whit beers out of the correct traditional style glassware. However,
1: yours is actually a Hoogarden
0: glass. Yes. Mine is an Omegang Vit. But they're still both tumblers. Yes. And that is how this, this beer is traditionally served and should be enjoyed. Which is, a, like I said in the back, it's a hexagonal. So it has straight sides and edges. Mm-hmm. And then it uh, it widens slowly towards the top. Kind of a short and fat glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did not freeze them, however. We did not freeze them. Step two, pour two-thirds into glass. okay. Pretty much did that, yeah. trying to split it up. Step three,
1: swirl bottle. Kind of did that. <laughs> Step four, <laughs> enjoy or
0: rest to farm head. Oh, so for the most part. Step five, enjoy, enjoy. Yeah, we didn't freeze our glasses. I don't think mm-hmm. I would. I would ever freeze my beer glass.
1: You know, that's kind of a, a commercial. You know, mm-hmm. restaurant type thing. They always pour or pull the glasses out of the freezer so that they're cold, and mm-hmm. you have little ice floaties in your Oisberg beer. Iceberg,
0: right ahead <laughs> in my beer.
1: But there's a lot of styles where that's not like you know. I don't if I'm drinking a stout or a you know a porter or something. I don't want a frozen glass. Yeah, it needs to be warmer. But, but I guess with the wit, it should be served very cold.
0: Last week we could have frozen our our plastic serving cups
1: <laughs> I don't think that would have worked for very the American well. Light Lager yeah, yeah. but it anyway. will yeah maybe next time we drink one of these we'll uh, plan ahead put the glass in the freezer for a little while see if it makes a difference uh,
0: I'm, it's I mean our, our glasses have been have been sitting out for several hours and so the glass is room temperature and and the beer yeah. came out of the fridge, so it's probably maybe forty, forty-five degrees. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. No, it's good. It, yeah. is. it is.
1: It's very good. Because like the
0: colder it gets, the more you lose some aromas and flavors. And I don't think that this one needs to be that cold.
1: Well, you know, the warmer it gets, the more yeast character you're going to get out of it. Which, for mm-hmm. the Belgian style, you know, the different strain of yeast is going to add to the citrusiness a little bit. But maybe mm-hmm. the the coriander type things won't won't come out as well when it's warmer. I don't know.
0: As I took another drink, now it's getting a little spicy. Like from a coriander spice. Not necessarily the black pepper, but uh, but it's starting to change a little bit. Still good. Lots to offer. Yeah, I'm getting a
1: lot more coriander as well. Not so much orange peel. Like, you know, citrusy mm-hmm. sweetness, but the, the coriander spice. Mm-hmm. Not like an all-spice, but it's, you know, the, the coriander spice is a little bit different flavor than anything citrusy. Hmm. You still kind of get the, the hint of citrus, but it's kind of a spicy note rather than a sweet note. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where this is headed, I think.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Because when you think about the Hefeweizen, you get kind of a fruity banana, clove, you know, whatever. Yes. But out of the Belgian wit, you get more of the spice coriander kind of more spicy thing. so a little herbal yeah the the wheat part of it is very similar however the the undertones i guess you could say are pretty different
0: so these two styles are all about the nuance yes that's a good vocabulary word you know we're going to start <laughs> we're going to start a vocabulary series every episode there's going to be one word that we have to use several times such as quaffable or Verbose.
1: <laughs> so this time is going to be nuance. Yes, this week is going the, to be nuance. The nuance of this style. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so the nuance of this style mm-hmm. would be the coriander spice. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. And and as soon as I as soon as I drank it, I well, I knew once I drank it that it was huh, good. Huh, huh.
1: No, we're not going to. No more puns. Mm. I know you think you're punny, but we're just not going to.
0: Oh well. Well, Hoogarden. Oh, well. garden Very good example. <laughs> uh, I think we have another one from the same region, uh, the Belgian region. and uh,
1: Which is also on the BJCP classic examples mm-hmm. list. Yeah. So we thought we'd do two for this one just to see how, how they compare. Yeah. Well, so. let's, uh,
0: let's go ahead and crack that one open next. All right. And I'm watching Chris take both of our glasses right now to the freezer. So he's being very careful to follow the directions on the Hoogarden glass. That was the last beer. Oh, okay. Now he's bringing them back. I guess it's a quick freezer. I never. left. So there's there's step one, but and then step okay. two with the oh. vitkirk, which is in a can. He's now pouring two thirds carefully into each glass, which would be one third <laughs> into each glass. <laughs> now he's swirling. He's swirling, ladies and gentlemen. We have swirl action. Well, I wanted to make sure that I followed
1: the directions. Uh, even though that was the directions for the Who Garden, I figured we'd at least try it for the Vitkirk. And we ended up with very similar pours, so I guess it worked out. Yep. I mean, it's still very cloudy, kind of, you know, light, light medium, yellow. yellow color.
0: Pale yellow.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very white, thin head. The aroma's similar. However, I do get some of the clove.
0: Clove? Hmm. I would say the aroma's not as... It doesn't have as much of a bouquet as the who garden did this one's a little a little less i guess less intense
1: i think it's kind of one sided hmm
0: yeah i get the wheat um maybe some yeast notes in the aroma but but um i don't get nearly as much coriander or yeah. like citrus yeah. on the nose i haven't tasted it yet though
1: yeah it's a little more subdued the nuance yeah the nuance is where, on it on is, this one is is where it's at okay it's, you know not not as much in your face
0: flavor is quite different though yes
1: which is ironic, because the aroma was a lot less, but the flavor's a lot more. I get a lot more orange peel in the flavor on this one than we did on the Who Garden. A considerable amount more.
0: Hmm. You know, I've said Play-Doh before, and I hate that I keep coming back to that, but there are, there are some beers that I get.
1: I don't get Play-Doh at all. But it's not like... I, you said that just now. Completely caught me off guard.
0: Maybe clay. Like, earth That's, clay. No, I don't soil. I don't get
1: earthy at all. No. No, I get straight up orange peel.
0: Maybe it's something about the finish. No, not okay. Not clay. I take that back. Not even Play-Doh. But maybe it's
1: <laughs> are we drinking the same beer? <laughs> I don't know how I, to this is it. this. The Vitkirk is straight up orange peel to me. I mean, even even the bitterness would be orange peel.
0: I get citrus. Yeah,
1: you get some. I mean, there's some citrus in in like orange peel bitterness. Like maybe they got a little bit too much of the rind in there. I mean it's this is like if if I were to brew just a standard wheat beer and then put a ton of orange peel in it that's that's this to me. Not like sweet orange, bitter orange.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I would agree. I get a lot more a lot more like citrus and and orange notes out of this one than I did the who Garden. Yeah, the who
1: Garden was more coriander. Yes, spice. And I
0: do not get coriander. No. On there's
1: on this one. Yeah, there's not as much spice in here. It's just citrus orange peel bitterness. But it, hmm. the bitterness isn't like super bitter; it's it's like a a nuanced bitter.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I knew once <laughs> once I drank this one that it would it would be that way. It's five percent ABV. Yep. Um, let's see. I, I had the name pulled up, but I forgot it.
1: Maybe because you dropped your phone, you might nuance what it was as soon as you had your phone in your hand.
0: Yeah, I knew once I picked it up that it would be the uh, it would have the answer <laughs> on it, and this is not from who Garden Belgium, but it's from. Harlbeck, Belgium. And it's brewed by Bavik, which uh they do a few of the things that we we get in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh the Petra series they do, which they make a lot of a lot of good uh Belgians and blondes and duels and, and triples, but they also have a nice sour series. The Odd uh, Bruin is one that I've had a few times and it it'll it'll put you back in your seat, that's for sure. I
1: love good Odd Bruin.
0: And they also do uh, beers that are called Bavik, and they have uh, several in that line as well. We've actually talked about doing a sour series at some point. I would love that, and I don't know when it'll be. I I'm, think
1: I am the only one that really likes sours.
0: I can appreciate one from time to time. I love them. Yeah, I think you've you've gone off the deep end. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, but um, I mean with the uh, with the Kirk it's it's there. It's what you read in the. Uh, in the guidelines, yeah, I maybe it's, a little bit off on the balance, but and
1: as far as mouthfeel goes, I think it's a little thinner than the Who Garden, mm-hmm.
0: um, not as carbonated.
1: The Who Garden was pretty carbonated. This one's not as much. Yeah, carbonation's more more or less of a nuance in this one.
0: Yeah, I don't get any <laughs> any tartness. No, or no tartness, or no we like other weird spices like chamomile or cinnamon. Or, no, or paradise. No seeds. paradise seeds. No. no. So the, the nuance is, is more directed towards the orange peel.
1: This one, you know, like I said, the mouth feels a little thinner, but the flavor and the, the aroma profile is also a little bit less in your face than the Who garden. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think the spice of the Who garden really came out a lot, mm-hmm. and um, the flavor profile of the Vitkirk is less.
0: Yeah, a little more, uh, let's say, even keel.
1: <laughs> Is that going to be our other term for the week? Even keel? No, it's a phrase.
0: <laughs> We're still working on nuance. Okay.
1: So very similar. Um, you know, like we mentioned, both of these are on the commercial example list mm-hmm. on the BJCP guidelines. Um, very similar and yet slightly different. Yeah. So both be, good. Yeah. I enjoy this. Very good. Um, you know, if you're outside and it's hot and 100 degrees like it has been. Um, be very refreshing, very easy to drink, thirst quenching, you know? Yeah. So
0: this one also comes in a can so you can toss yes. in your backpack and, yeah. and shotgun one on the trails. <laughs> if you want.
1: Yeah. Or, so, or fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic summer beer.
0: Very good. So two good baseline beers, two good examples. Uh, why don't we head across the pond and hit up some American examples? Yeah.
1: We'll see what, uh, See how the Americans do a classic Belgian style. I think the first one uh, that we're going to taste is by Harpoon.
0: Yes, Harpoon is uh, one of the uh, one of the smaller known breweries in Boston. And I say smaller because they live in the shadows of the uh, the Boston Beer Company, Samuel Adams. Samuel Adams. Yeah, that's right. And that being said, Harpoon is. I mean, they're they're pretty big themselves.
1: Yeah. This is a. Uh, you you can pretty much find this harpoon UFO anywhere, mm-hmm. um, so just you know, just like the, any of the Boston Boston Lager or you know any of the other Sam Adams beers are are pretty readily available. You know, what UFO so, stands for unidentified flying object. <laughs>
0: this is the harpoons <laughs> unfiltered Fir- filtered offering. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, the UFO stands for Unfiltered Offering, and it does have a an orange on the label, so mm-hmm. I understand okay. the confusion. Yeah, but uh, this is this is the wheat, the vit beer, Americanized version,
1: and uh, on the back of the the bottle, it says coriander and orange. So I bet we're going to get a lot of that. <clears throat> it also says this distinct pair gives this beer its spicy flavor and aroma. So there's that spicy word that we talked about in the style guidelines. Mm. Fresh and interesting, UFO White is brewed to honor the great Belgian wit beers.
0: The color in this one is uh, a lot darker. Yes. It's um,
1: more of an orange rather than a pale.
0: Yes. Because the last two were were definitely a yellow ish color and this one is more orange. Um, All have been very cloudy, which they're supposed to be. Yep. I do got a lot more of the orange and the aroma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of fruity, yeah. Fruitiness on the nose. Maybe a touch of coriander in the nose, but it's it's mainly dominated by the uh, citrus notes.
1: Wow, the flavor is very orange.
0: Oh wow, yeah, that's like a
1: almost blue moon orange, but not quite.
0: It's like a almost fruit snack orange. Like if you <laughs> get a an orange gusher and you bite into it, it's all in your mouth. That's what you get here.
1: So the uh, the orange nuance is definitely not a nuance.
0: No, it's uh, it's overly nuanced.
1: <laughs> yeah. So lots lots of orange. I don't get so much of the coriander. Um, of course, those those two things are very similar. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure the compliment they complement each other to a point where it just kind of melts together to to create this vastly citrusy flavor. Hmm. Pretty carbonated. Um <clears throat> probably not so much as the who Garden, but more so than the Vitkirk. Mouth feels, uh, you know, pretty good medium medium bodied. It's not as thin.
0: Yeah, the uh, like the the citrus uh, citric acid um uh, kind of lingers in the finish where you can you can feel it on your tongue. It's uh, it's there. It's it's not as uh like clean finishing as the first two, I think. But it's still very very flavorful. yeah, citric
1: acid, not to be confused with lactic acid, which we mentioned in the style guidelines. a, a slight lactic fermentation is allowable, but this is not that. Mm-hmm. Citric acid is vastly different from lactic. This is not sour by any means. Oh no uh, no, no you get you get some of the spiciness from the coriander and the orange. But but no sourness.
0: Yeah, and you know, while we're on the topic of coriander, um, it's certainly certainly uh, crucial to the style. But you need to be careful in how much you add and when you add it. If you yeah. brew this yourself,
1: you have too much of a good thing.
0: Yes, in the uh, in the BGCB guidelines, that they're very careful to to delineate this that um, coriander of certain origins might give an inappropriate ham or celery character. And that's certainly not a flavor that you want in your beer or in your mouth ever.
1: I don't get any ham or celery no, out of no. this.
0: And I haven't on any of the ones that we've done, that we've done today. But if you, if you overdo it on the coriander or if it's, I guess, if it's like a, an in, in inappropriate style or strain of coriander, then it, then it, it cautions against that in the guidelines. Hmm. And I haven't you know, necessarily experienced that myself. But the fact that they took the time to write it out means that uh,
1: they probably uh, have run across, across it. it yeah. yeah, but I mean, it, it's kind of interesting that it says celery because when I would when I would think celery, I would think more of the vegetal, you know, off flavor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I've ever come across a commercial example of a wit that was
0: vegetal at all. No, and I'm sure that if those are brewed. By commercial entities that they catch it before it leaves the brew house, it's like you know, yeah, there's something not yeah, right something about not this right match. Here. Let's let's try it again. Let's dump it. it. You know, yeah, let's let's cut our losses and and instead of risk losing or offending a potential customer, let's let's just redo it.
1: But if you're you know brewing beer at that scale, I'm sure you've got all kinds of checks and balances in place mm-hmm. to uh, to make sure that that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. So many of the things that we discuss in the BGCP notes that they that they say are off flavors, you very rarely will encounter that on a commercial scale because they have those checks and balances. They have the quality control department. But when you're talking about a home brewer, like, you know, yep. consider one mm-hmm. person brewing a beer in their garage and then they give it to somebody. Well, then, yeah, you are more, more than likely, likely
1: to, to come across
0: those. Yes. And so that, you know, when it comes to the heart of it, the uh, the BJCP guidelines are for home brewing competitions, yep. the beer yep. judging competition program.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, you know they they always list these commercial examples so you have something to reference. Mm-hmm. So I would say, just as as a kind of an off note, probably the most common quote unquote flaw for a commercial beer would probably be skunk. Yes. So if you do come across flaws in a commercial beer, that's probably what you're going to find.
0: I'd agree. And that's because it's out of the brewer's control when that happens. That does not happen in the mash tun. It does not happen in the laudering and the fermenting and the conditioning. It happens whenever it leaves the brew house. And between there and your, your house, when you open it up, that's when it happens. So... I would agree. That's probably the most common commercial flaw you're going to find.
1: Right. Yeah. But, you know, we haven't found any flaws in, in any of these three that we've mm-hmm. tasted here today. So
0: Yeah. I can't remember the last time I opened a beer, uh, a commercial beer, and said, mm, like, my gosh, this is infected. This is nasty. Yeah. Because it it, it really happens. To be. <laughs> it really happens. I, you know, I've seen things from time to time. People are writing on the internet. It's like, you know, oh, you got an infected batch. But really it doesn't yeah, happen that often in, in
1: the off chance that it does happen <laughs> normally uh commercial brewers will have some kind of quality you know reassurance something or other like i know for instance there was a, a batch of a raw beer that wasn't up to their standard and they just you know they told everybody if you get one of these give us a call we'll replace it we'll send you a new one nice so uh, you know it's it's really good to see especially I wouldn't necessarily say RAR is a small brewery, but definitely, you know, put up against a, a BJ, no, not a BJ. Um, In the grand scheme of things. Yeah, definitely put up against certainly. like a BMC type yes. brewery. They're, you know, on the smaller scale. And it's really refreshing, no pun intended, to see, <laughs> <laughs> it's really refreshing to see, you know, the uh, customer service and, and quality assurance that they they have, mm-hmm. you know, if you do end up getting something that doesn't taste right, you can give them a call and they're going to replace it. So, but anyway, that was a, a little bit of a side tangent.
0: That's okay. You know, it, it's nice to see that, that, uh, well, many of the beers that we feature on our podcast are considered craft beers and yeah. they're made by people that they are in the business to make good beer and they're not in the business to make money.
1: With the exception of our episode 10.
0: 10th, yeah, 10th anniversary, That was a, that was a special occasion. <laughs> and we made it a special occasion and we you know proved that we suck at determining which one's yeah. which
1: yeah that was that was pretty bad so it was a very humbling and uh, educational experience
0: but uh
1: but that just goes to prove you know that it's really hard to tell a difference between those beers yeah so
0: i was very confident going into it very confident yeah yeah. And I got one out of five.
1: Yeah. It was see very it. very humbling. I would I would be interested to uh to talk to you know, one of the, the BJCP grandmasters, like we have one in our homebrew club, mm-hmm. and I would be interested to see if even somebody with as refined as a palate as those guys have would be able to tell a difference between those beers. Hmm. It, I mean the differences are so subtle, you know, nuance mm-hmm. <laughs> nuances just i mean just like the three here that we've had the the garden the vitkirk and the the ufo uh they're all very similar the wheat characteristic is there a uh, little bit of a spice you know differences being orange coriander you know whatever but they're all very similar and you know we can we can tell the difference between them we've been doing these tastings for a little bit now um Yes. But someone who just says, Oh, that's a wheat beer, I wonder, you know, if they would be able to tell big differences, not having tasted a lot of different styles, a lot of different examples, uh, you know, how they how they would do comparing these. So 'cause it, it is a nuance thing when you get down to this style. Yeah. Even if you were to compare this against the Hefeweizen of Ison. It's all about uh, the nuance at that yeah. point. You know, I could tell
0: the difference between those, I'm sure. Yeah. And you know, but come, if you
1: pull Joe Schmo off the street who drinks Bud Light, mm-hmm. you know, you hand him a Ho Garden and uh, Vine Stefaner. is so he going to be able to tell the difference?
0: Probably not. You know, I, I thought coming into last week's episode that I could easily say this is, you know, Miller Light. This is Bud Light because of you. Know, all of us have had those countless times. Yeah. You know, I, I remember buying a, a Dirty Thirty of, of Keystone and. And killing it. <laughs> so in, 30 my, stones. in my in my younger younger days. So we we've all been there and I thought for sure since I've had these so many times I could easily pick out this one is this one, this one is A B C D. Yeah. But no, it's it's difficult. Very even difficult, with uh yeah. even with our friend Hashelswort here, which is I mean, that's his business. He he runs and manages a, a restaurant that they I mean, sell a lot of that yeah, stuff. They are they are like kegs in and out every day. Yeah. And he so he get he gets zero out of five.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. You know, I I challenge anybody out there, uh if you're listening to these podcasts, Try I challenge it. you to to give that a shot and uh, a
0: blind t- a true blind yeah, tasting.
1: Let us know how you fare. I'd be I'd be interested to find out. You know, a true honest yeah. blind tasting.
0: Or come to our studios, you can challenge yourself. We're <laughs> at uh one, two, three yeah, well, <laughs> deer way no.
1: Anyway, yeah. So let us know how that turns out. I think we mentioned that the last episode too. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yep. we're well, not talking about that. That was a huge tangent on right. that. Um, as this uh, UFO warms up, I'm getting a lot more of the orange peel. Mm-hmm. It's like in your face.
0: Yeah, they're not shy about it, and then no. they, they put it on on the neck label, on the front label. Yeah, it's all about the they orange. They got a guy in the there. back. He's kind of orange. Looks so like an oompa <laughs> Let's um, add some orange.
1: When I tried to do a Belgian wit a while back, uh, I used a lot of orange, and, and we'll we'll talk about that in our homebrew portion. But Okay. Uh, I think we have one more that we're going to try.
0: It's a local. Local, yeah. It's from right? DFW. Okay.
1: Made by Community. So let's crack that bad boy open. So, Travis, if I remember correctly, the, uh, the Community guys, you know fairly well from uh, their days out at the Covey in fort worth
0: yeah that was uh and that's from a time that's long gone (laughs) but uh good good memories for sure
1: yeah did they have this whit beer uh out there at the covey under another name
0: no this one is new okay but uh originally the the head brewer at community uh jamie he owned a brew pub in fort worth for a long time and i was a i was a weekly visitor that was my monday stop no matter what and and he and he, he produced a lot of really good things there. And then oh, just one coffee day. Porter. Yeah, their coffee porter was <laughs> by to, far the best yeah, thing you've ever. Yeah, had. it was amazing. And then, yeah, there there's one day I remember a friend of mine texted me. He's like, hey, the covey's closing. I was like, yeah, they close every night. So? He's like, no, they're closing for good. I was like, what? But I, I wasn't anywhere near Fort Worth, so I couldn't get there in time. And that was it. They just shut down. And then he took a few years off, did some uh, did some traveling. And then, uh, when Community announced that they were opening, they announced their head brewer, and it was uh, the same guy. So, uh, we're glad to have him back in DFW, and he's certainly oh, yeah. done a lot of great things. Oh yeah, since he's got he's a been lot. Back. Of fantastic beers. Yes, th- this is by far one of my you know favorite breweries <laughs> yeah. in the DFW mm-hmm. area. Don't hesitate to grab their grab the things whenever I see it on tap. And they finally
1: finally did that coffee porter. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It took it took years for them to do it again, but, man, when they did, yeah. awesome.
0: Snatch it up when you see it because it's worth it. What's it called? <laughs> it originally was the Aduro Porter. Yeah. But I think now it's called Ascension Coffee Porter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very good.
1: Fantastic. We're definitely going to have to get that whenever we do uh, our porter mm-hmm. episode or, or if we do, like, a coffee special or something, that would be Definitely one we need to pick up.
0: Yeah, you know, at some point we'll start running out of ideas, so we have to, (laughs) oh, this is a coffee week. This is a week of beers that all have water in them.
1: (laughs) That would be all beer. We're going to drink all the beer in one week. All the beer. But But anyway. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We're we're doing the uh, community wit beer. The wit
1: beer, which is their Belgian-style white ale brewed with spices so definitely fits within um what the the belgian wit would go for with all the spices and everything this one's 5.2 percent um 18 ibus so shouldn't expect a whole lot of bitterness let me just read the back of the uh, the bottle here because it talks about somebody that we already talked about it says in honor of the late and great Pierre Celis, we are proud to offer our community wheat beer produced locally for our fellow Texans. Once again, we mm-hmm. brew traditionally using unmalted wheat as our base and lightly spice the kettle with freshly ground sweet and bitter orange peel and coriander seed. Mm. The hops are minimal, keeping the focus on the wheat, spices, and the unique character contributed by authentic Belgian yeast strains. The aroma from the thick brilliant white head is bready and lively with notes of citrus and hints of spice. And this did win the World Beer Cup Gold Award in 2014 for Belgian style wit beer.
0: I'm not surprised. So, I'm not surprised after tasting this. I'm not surprised.
1: It should it should be fantastic.
0: This I would say this is like the Hoegaarden the base beer on steroids. Yeah. I mean, this is you get everything that you that you got out of the Who Garden, but more so.
1: I haven't had this one in a long time. I don't think I have either. And I am really upset that I haven't
0: because after tasting this, this is fantastic. Yeah. I mean you're fan-tastic. talking like
1: fantastic.
0: It's very intense orange peel and coriander and spices and the, the yeast tones, you know, they're there, but it it's fairly balanced and then Wow.
1: I'm glad I picked this up.
0: Yeah, I am too.
1: This is great. Like, I, I, I like this better than the, <laughs> the, than the classic examples. <laughs> I mean, when I think Belgian Whitbeer, this is what I think right here. Hmm. This is it. It's fantastic.
0: I agree. I know I've had this before. I think I might have even had it on tap at the brewery. Man. Whenever I, I went to one of the tours. but
1: Jamie, kudos. Yeah. Definitely. This is great. Sawyer's not here else he'd say I could drink this all day And I would agree with him
0: Wholeheartedly Yeah this is the first time That we agree with Sawyer <laughs> He's not here Let's turn to his mic I can say it for him <laughs>
1: So uh, No Paradise Seeds I could drink this all day <laughs> That sounded moral <laughs>
0: That was him No
1: Well I guess Anyway Oh man this is fantastic <laughs> What a good way to end the show
0: yeah, and that doesn't always happen. No. We don't always have the best example for last, but uh, for today we Also,
1: be. I think this might be the first time that we have the uh, local example that we like better than the BJCP Classic example.
0: Hmm. Maybe.
1: What other beers have we had from Community on the show?
0: You know, this might be the first time that we have uh, featured them. Really? Yeah, because we talked about getting the Mosaic IPA for the IPA episode, but... We had so many other examples we didn't we didn't make it that one, mm. and which
1: you liked Mosaic. Yes, I'm not a fan. I do just because I don't like Mosaic hops. That is that's nothing that's to fair. do with the beer itself. Just I'm not a fan of that st- that strain of hops. But yeah. but anyway, I I have yet to find a community beer other than that one that I don't like. Mm-hmm. But that's that's you know strictly my my taste on hops.
0: Another thing they do really well is their public ale, which is an ESB, mm-hmm. and we have yep. not gotten to yep. the we have not gotten to the bitters. Yeah, that one's fantastic. Yet either, so. and they've got a really good Vienna lager, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's very tasty. And we haven't done a Vienna lager no, episode either. No. So yeah, there's lots of things. So this, yeah, I think this is the first community example that uh, we have featured on our podcast,
1: and it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we hit a winner. <laughs> So, man, that's the, great. The
0: nuance here is just spot on.
1: <laughs> it's not even just nuances, it's just the whole thing is is great. And no, we're not sponsored by Community. We're not
0: We're sponsored by <laughs> Nuance and grammar.com. We're, we're
1: not saying this because they're just a local beer, but it's fantastic. I, I I don't know how far out they um distribute, but if you ever see a beer by Community Beer Company, you need to pick it up. And give it a taste. I don't think you, you won't be disappointed.
0: Yeah. They do a lot of things very well. Um and uh Chris and I have actually both brewed a, a wit beer before. Yes. And we'd like to we'd like to share one of those recipes with you today that we've done. I did a beer called Must Be The Season of the Wit. And ha. and uh Chris did one, it was a Star Wars theme. It's called Wookiees Wit. No apostrophe, yes. Wookie wit, just wookie wit. Just wookie wit.
1: Mine mine was a um supposed to be a not necessarily a clone but similar to Blood and Honey. Um which is another wheat beer. It's mm-hmm. very tasty. Didn't quite turn out like I expected, but de- I'm I'm definitely going to keep tweaking that one. But anyway. Uh so you're going to talk about Season of the Wit? Sure. All right, go for it.
0: Yeah, this was a recipe that I pulled from uh it, the American Homebrewers Association every year they have a a big brew where it, it it's usually like the first Saturday in May that they they they'll put out three recipes and they want people homebrewers all over the nation all over the world to come together and brew that that beer on that day so it's like a a, a worldwide brew day it's really cool and then uh you know when i was first getting into brewing I heard about it, and so I looked through the recipes, and I saw this one, which is a wheat beer, and uh, <clears throat> I decided to try it out. And the very the very first time I did it, it was a extract recipe, and I actually won an award in our uh, our monthly homebrew competition with this beer. Got third place. It's pretty cool, and I think that was like maybe the. The seventh or eighth beer that I had ever done, so I, I was still I was still a novice for sure. And then uh, uh, I've changed it since then, since uh, to all grain, and I'm still making tweaks on it, trying to get back to that first that first time I had it. But um, what I did this most recent time was uh, five pounds of pilsner malt as the as the base grain, then mixed in five pounds of wheat. But I did three pounds of flaked and then two pounds of just unmalted, so straight wheat all all belgian based and then obviously 1 pound of rice hulls because there's a lot of a lot of sticky things in there and the last thing you want is a stuck fermentation stuck mash stuck mash yeah it's off it's awful and then uh with this one i added a ton of coriander and i decided to do lemon and orange both of the zest and the juice and i've done that a few times with like different different amounts each time the first time I did it it was perfect and then since then I haven't quite been able to uh to make that again which has been frustrating. Well, you also switched from extract to all green. Yes. And that could have made a big difference also. Yeah. And um so I I need um, next time I do I'm going to tone back a lot. This is going to be my spring beer so I'll, I'll make this in April or make it like late March and drink it in April. <laughs> And uh, when I do, I'll probably cut out the lemon altogether and I'll just do orange zest, which when you are zesting an orange, if you do fresh, which is the best, make sure you just get the color part of the peel. Leave all the white stuff behind. If you have a, a, like a microplane grater and just kind of scrape off the outside, the the color, that's your flavor, that's your aroma, that's perfect. The white stuff, the pith, is all, it's all Bitter. bitter. Yeah you don't get any of the any of the wonderful like citrus notes or zestiness it it's just bad so leave the white part behind um, i've squeezed the juice in before if you do only do that in the uh, in the like after the boil cuz that has time to you know the the flavor's there but it kills anything that's that's prevalent in it and then uh, the coriander make sure it's it's a nice a nice fine grind and i would also do that in Either I'd say in the steeping stage, so so after you boil and then it just kind of sits there because then you get a lot of good flavors and aromas without any of the uh any of the harshness that comes from boiling it and then uh after that, I used the Belgian wit beer uh, yeast, which was why thirty nine forty four let it go, and it was fantastic
1: so mine is very similar to that. Um, you can basically just take whatever wheat base recipe that you have, your grist. Um, I added a little bit of honey malt to mine. I did four ounces of honey malt just to give a little sweetness. Um, My hops, I did one ounce of Fuggles. My miscellaneous, though, is a little bit different. I did three-quarter ounce of coriander, which I actually added in the last five minutes of the boil. I did a very coarse crack on that. I didn't grind it. I just cracked it, tossed it in the bowl for the last five minutes. Mm -hmm. I also did three-quarter ounce of ginger. That's different. In the last 10 minutes of the boil, um, also an ounce of blood orange zest and Ooh. juice. So a little bit different there. I, I use the same Belgian wheat yeast.
0: He made a vampire beer. <laughs>
1: blood orange. So the blood oranges have a little bit different, um, flavor profile than a regular orange. So just to, to toss something a little different in there. So definitely, uh, I know it's kind of late in the summer, but um, next spring, next summer, try try brewing a Belgian wit. Mm-hmm. Throw some oranges, coriander, maybe a little ginger, and uh, you will be pleased with it. I think yeah. it's a it's a very easy style. This
0: makes for a great spring beer.
1: Yeah, the the key though is to make sure that you have a controlled fermentation temperature. Anytime you do a wheat yeast, whether it's the the German. Uh, vine stefaner yeast or the belgian wheat yeast you want to be really careful about your fermentation temps because if it gets too warm you can end up with some off flavors like bubble gum um you know things like that so mm-hmm. that's that's the key right there so if, if your house stays relatively cool let's say 70 and under preferably uh in the spring then you can do that but uh it's a little it's a little harder to do it in the summer unless you have a uh, temperature controlled chamber so fermentation temps are very key for this style.
0: Yeah. We had a lot of, uh, lot of good examples today from all four of them.
1: Yeah. I hope you uh, go out and grab a wit beer and find one you like. Absolutely. Anyway, thank you for joining us for our latest episode of Brew Styles, where our topic of discussion was the Belgian wit beer. Look for our next episode coming soon where we travel across the pond to discuss style 13B, the British brown ale. Until then, cheers.